Romantics, welcome to a pod to be you, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and I'm really excited to uh, introduce uh, our new miniseries. It's something new I've been trying for the last 10 episodes, and I'm going to continue that uh, for this one. Uh, the new miniseries is going to be about bad romance, kind of like unconventional ro- romance, uh, love stories, relationships. We're going to Get a little experimental. Talk about some classic movies that uh, and that I don't think really get talked about in terms of their relationship dynamics a whole lot, but uh, we'll do so here because I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and I have a really uh, exciting guest for the first episode here. Uh, that's podcaster and editor in chief of Talk Film Society, Marcelo Pico himself. How are you? Hello, thanks for having me back on, Manish. Uh, yeah. Happy to be here and to talk about this movie in particular. I mean, Bad Romance, you got the right guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, we're talking about Quentin Tarantino's 1997 uh, movie, Jackie Brown, starring Pam Greer and Robert Forster and Samuel Jackson and Bridget Fonda and Robert De Niro. Um, and Chris Tucker, um, really, uh, I think a really exciting movie to talk about in terms of its relationships and sort of its romantic plot line. Oh yeah, I I, I jumped at the chance. Uh, you, you gave me a list yeah. of movies uh, you were thinking about for this series, and like, yes, Jackie Brown. I I've grown to love it so much over the years, and in particular. And we'll get into it. Like it has that uh, little romance that uh, always gets me. So it's it's very complicated. Uh, I, I I really want to dig into it. Yeah, and I think this is a good movie to start with because it's kind of an easing the transition from like kind of what we usually do on the podcast to this. Because I don't know if I really consider this like a toxic romance or like a, a bad romance. You know, I, I think it's actually a pretty moving love story even if it's very understated it's like unconsummated and you know it doesn't really have like a happy ending but it feels very like profound and and sweet at times and and you i to me i feel like every time i watch the movie i'm like just go with her to spain like what is wrong with you but i mean we'll definitely get into that but i'd love to kind of hear about your history with Jackie Brown, kind of the first time you saw it, kind of how, if at all, your opinions have changed about it over the years. Because this is kind of like a, I wouldn't say controversial, but I think somewhat divisive movie in the Tarantino canon. Oh, yeah. And I definitely lived through some of that being as old as I am, um, being... Uh, uh, a teenager in the early 2000s, uh, really getting into Tarantino, uh, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs were, were big influences on me. And around the time um, at uh, Kill Bill was in production, 
I was like, okay, I, I got to catch up on on the rest of Tarantino's film. So I caught Jackie Brown uh, on DVD. Uh, I remember back in the back in the day, they had like a deluxe two disc DVD set. I picked that up, uh, watched it, and I back then, like early two thousands, I was like, yeah, this is solid. It's like, yes, this is good. And I do remember that criticism. Oh, criticism is 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 maybe the wrong word, but like. I would say like misinterpretation of the movie of it being like, this is not a Tarantino movie. This is not what we're used to, whatever. This doesn't have like Tarantino flair, but I don't know. I, as like a, a heist movie as like a movie that focuses on like uh, people who are older that we don't normally see, you know, starring in, in, in films. Even back then I was like, yeah, this is, not a, a not not the typical in quotes like Tarantino movie. Of course, that change that, that that'll change over time. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I was like, no, this is still a solid film. So I it, it, it's always been a favorite of mine. And I remember reading articles online already saying like this is a film Tarantino uh, would have made if he was like uh, making it as his last film. Right. It like it, yeah. It, you can imagine him making this as his last film. Like if he somehow made another movie and like his 10th and final film was Jackie Brown, that make, that would make a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. So I, under- I understood it in that uh, uh, frame. So cut to 20 years later, <laughs> me being 36 years old. Um, I now see it as I, I I've now, I'm not going to say I've aged into it. Not yet anyway, <laughs> but like with age comes experience. And with age, I see a lot of this movie, in a, in, in a different way and in a better way. Uh, I saw it earlier this year in a theater and I saw it again this morning for this podcast. And I, I mean, it, it may not matter to some, but I bumped it from like 4.5 out of five to five out of five for me. Yeah. Like th- this thing is a masterpiece. Like this yeah. thing, not only does it have that, that's to me, to me, it's a beautiful love story. It has that, but oh my God, you went through the cast. The cast is amazing. I think it looks amazing. It definitely fits into the, the, you know, top tier Tarantino. And I won't hear anything other than that from anybody. I, I like, sure. Like there's no, <laughs> I mean, Tarantino himself has his own like bad movie that, 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 that he'd say is bad. Right. He, he says death proof is, is the worst one. I mean, I, I don't think there is a bad Tarantino movie in my opinion. If you want to put this at the bottom, I mean, God be with you, but I can't see it, but if you do put it at the bottom, but if you do realize like there are not any bad Tarantino movies, then maybe I'll give you some slack. But it's hard for me to put this at the bottom is what I'm trying to say, because it's just so damn great. So, yeah, yeah, my, my appreciation for this movie has grown over the last 20 years um, because, again, it's obvious it, it is a movie about aging. It's a movie about being comfortable with yourself and finding love, uh, uh, I guess, where you least expect it. So, yeah, that's me and Jackie Brown. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar for me. I mean, I, I, I think like this was. I think I, I think Kill Bill was my first Tarantino movie because I think I was I was about thirteen, fourteen, fifteen when that came out. So that sounds kind of like I guess the age you are when you start watching his movies. And I'm pretty sure like Pulp Fiction followed soon after that. I'm pretty sure I studied that in some class, and then Jack, and then I think Jackie Brown followed after that. And I feel like. 
Jack, I mean, it's it's funny when people are like, oh, this isn't really, this is like Tarantino's very like different kind of movie, but like, I feel like he's been like, this is the filmmaker he had always wanted to be. Like, yeah. when you look at movies like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and even Inglorious Bastards and like Kill Bill Volume 2, like, this is very much in that like melancholy, slow pace, very like, um, you know, intellectual, emotional, character-based movies. And I think, like, when you get to something like Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, which has a little that, like, propulsion to it, I mean, I think he likes that stuff, but I think he also is, I think, even, like, like, like Kill Bill Volume 1, 2, it's, like, I think he is, like, always looking for that, like, smaller, offbeat vibe, you know, instead of, like, going for that, like, wham-bam kind of thing. And, And that so to me, you know, it's it's always funny to me when someone's like, "Oh yeah, like that Jackie Brown is the outlier," and I'm like, "Actually, I feel like Pulp Fiction is more of an outlier, you know, yeah. like in terms of it's like, you know, like going all over the place and the time jumping and all that." I mean, I just don't think he, I don't think he like does that, like I don't know, all too much. Yeah, you know? and I I feel like it, if we're talking about Tarantino, the filmmaker. And leading up to Jackie Brown, I, as much as I do really enjoy Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, they just felt like him sort of like experimenting and grasping this sort of like plot deconstruction that he perfects, I think, later on. Like Jackie Brown, to me, I, I give it five out of five, but I don't think it's it's not my favorite Tarantino. I think Inglorious Bastards for yeah. me is my favorite because I think by that point he's perfected it. Like the, the little, you know, uh, I, gimmicks is a, is a bad word, but like, you know, the, the, the little, you know, twists and turns he does in Pulp Fiction, the, 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 the little jumps in time, the, everything he does with plot, he does in Pulp Fiction, he perfects in, Inglorious Bastards. And also the quieter moments we see in Jackie Brown. He has those in, in, in Bastards. Like, I don't know. And, and then he even tops himself, maybe. I'm still like conflicted about whether Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is better than Inglorious Bastards. Like, I have some, I, I need some time to think about that. But I think even in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he might even, you know, one up himself in terms of what he tries to, what he tries to do in Bastards and Jackie Brown. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think he is a filmmaker that is, is constantly growing. Um, I know he says he has one last film in him, but we'll see. But I, 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 he, he hasn't gotten worse in my opinion. <laughs> like sure. Maybe some missteps, hateful eights, not perfect, but still there's some amazing stuff in that. But I think Jackie Brown, you know, leading up to my, opinion, his like better films after Jackie Brown, it's like, it's a fantastic stepping stone. Like he's definitely, in this movie for sure more comfortable i think as a filmmaker than he is before with like yeah. uh, reservoir dogs and pulp fiction yeah i i definitely agree and i don't know I, I feel like pulp fiction you know i like the movie a lot i've seen it you know however many times like that like you know it's of course it's like whatever you know but to me it just doesn't like i don't know i feel like it that's not the pinnacle of his talents you know i feel like yeah, I think he definitely, as he matured, and, like, even with Jack, Jackie Brown, which came just a few years later, like, I think as he gets more mature, like, I just, I don't know. And, I, you know, I'm also the, like, I love Kill Bill. I think both those movies are, are like, among his best. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I don't I don't love The Hateful Eight. I think, I, I think I've seen it twice only, and I 
saw it both like in theaters and then I just haven't watched it again in the last seven years. Um, yeah. And even like Django and Chain, I'm kind of like, I saw that movie enough, you know? But yeah. I think like, aside from those two, which I still like those movies, I just, I'm not like as crazy about them, but like, I think that um, he's only gotten better and better. And I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like, you know, him and his most sentimental, his most dreamlike, his most, you know, like romantic, not like love story romantic, but just like romanticism. Yeah. And I think my appreciation for, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, really made me love Jackie Brown even more this yeah. time around because I see it in Jackie Brown. I see like, uh, 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 like the one thing that really got me this time is the look of it. Like, I don't know what it, what it was. I mean, I put on the, the, the Blu-ray I've had for years. Uh, maybe it's just been so long that I've seen it on Blu-ray at home, but it, it, it looks amazing. Like the cinematography by Guillermo Navarro, it's, it reminds me of the work that's done in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I forget who, who the DP was in Hollywood, but I think Tarantino like shoots LA, whether it's in the sixties or in like the nineties, like with just this, this like passion, this like, this like reverence for the, the, the city. And it's going to be the cliche thing. I'm going to say now it's like, yeah, it's like, it's another character, but whatever, but it, yeah. it's, it's true in this. And, and you see that in just, just like, you know, with, with, uh, with, with cherries, like a, a, um, a place of business, like in the, in the area it's in, it's not the most like beautiful looking parts of, you know, of California, but still it has like this personality. I think this movie like shows off so well, but yeah, just like things like that, just even like the locales, how it's, how it's shot, how it looks like I see this, this massive passion from Tarantino. Cause yeah, he loves this, <laughs> this, this little part of the world. And he shoots it with, with, again, with so, with this reference that I really do love. You know, you mentioning that, like that location, I think one thing I really love about Jackie Brown and also about Tarantino in general is that like his movies are always kind of takes place in like outskirts of very like glamorous areas, you know, like all of the, like the bars and the apartments yes. and the like shopping centers, they just feel like not run down, but just like, just a little like downscale. You know? Yeah, it's it, and in a way that's like very endearing and way that's like relatable and feels like it has like a lived in life to it. You know, it's not just some like glamorous location that looks cool, but it feels like actual people live there. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's this look of it that almost tricks you into thinking this movie is set like in another time, because like th this is set in 1995. Uh, like, like two years before it came out in 87 and it just the locale just looked like that bar that that that, that jackie goes to yeah or even like the the opening sequence of her in in the airport and, and the background she um that's like behind her as like she's on the um the the the, the thing i forget what it's called well uh, the, the that tracking shot anyway all of that feels like it's from like the 70s because it has like that sort of you know in the kindest way possible yeah run down feel but I, I now wonder, like, how different does it look now in, like, 2022? Like, has it been all renovated? Has that mall been torn down? Who knows? Has it been gentrified? I'm sure it's a lot different now. But I don't know. Like, Tarantino and company and crew just caught 
this moment of like this feeling of this place that that is in, in 1995, but it feels like it's from another time. And that may be a reason why he's never, you know, set a movie Well, other than Kill Bill and I guess Death Proof. OK, I take it back. He doesn't usually tend to set movies in the modern day um, because I have a feeling like he's he, he has more of a, of a reverence. Again, there's that word for like, you know, yeah. the 70s and 80s and, and, and all that. Right. I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think he has like, uh, I feel like his movies are very timeless. Like even, I mean, it's not like, you know, in Kill Bill, she's like using like, you know, 2004 era cell phones and laptops and stuff. Like, I, I think, in you know, in terms of her like status as like an elite assassin, she's very off the grid. So it's like, it's still timeless. It still has that like, this could be now, I mean, I guess fashion, of course, whatever, but like, it could be now, it could be 20 years ago, and it's all kind of fits, because it's like, I think all of his movies really take place in like, some like, dreamlike situation. Absolutely. And uh, same with, same with uh, Death Proof. Yeah. Because that feels, I mean, that takes place uh, uh, the year it came out, like, like mid 2000s, but that feels very much like, out of time yeah. and timeless like uh, uh specific shots and the specific bars they shot in in austin just feel like very uh, uh not of you know the modern day so yeah. Yeah, yeah he's he's very much wanting to make a timeless movie like you said but also one that just feels like from a different decade yeah so let, let's dig into jackie brown because uh specifically because i feel like um you know, this, I feel like this movie has a really good reputation. I know we talked a little being divisive, but I do think that, like, it's sort of status as an um, outlier of being sort of, like, the most, like, romantic Tarantino movie is kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of his movies are love stories. Kill Bill, I think, is a... Oh yeah, love story transitions between different kinds of love, but I think it's there. And of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a love story too. I think it's almost like our love to Sharon Tate and like what she represents. And um, so yeah, and I, I, but I, I think this is like the one that Jackie Brown is like the one that's like about like a man and a woman <laughs> falling in yeah. love with each other. And I think that someone so who's so like macho could really capture this like understated love story is really quite incredible and i think you know i think like you know you and i who are fans of his kind of have seen that throughout his movies but i think for someone who thinks of him as just like the guy that like references kung fu movies all the time it it feels a little surprising i don't do you think do that might be true of some people that might have that perception that this kind of like very quiet romance is kind of out of left field for him. Yeah. It's, it goes to show that this, this party sound very rude, which is that people don't pay attention. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so even, okay. Uh, 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 I want to mention this. Like I saw Pulp Fiction in a theater also this year and I took uh, a friend of mine who'd never seen it. And she was, she didn't know anything about it really. She was one of those like uh, novice film people. And, and a, a quick aside, I'll just say like midway through the movie, she goes, Oh wait, what's happening? Like what's, what's, oh, and then she goes, Oh, it's out of order. 
Okay. <laughs> so that was a joy to, to see that with her. But then yeah. I, I, I bring up Pulp Fiction because like, even in Pulp Fiction, there's like, there's like the, the little romance, little tiny romance between Uma Thurman and John Travolta. Yeah. Which, which got me watching it this time around or uh, earlier this year. And I'm like, Oh, like even Tarantino in that little segment can do something that's like little, little quaint and romantic. Like he has that in him from, from Pulp Fiction, but I mean, like, like you brought up, like Manish, like maybe, I don't know. They, they think of Tarantino as one thing, but they fail to see that he does, I think, try and succeed at, at, uh, at romance. And you definitely see that in Jackie Brown. And you definitely see that like in Kill Bill, I think. And even like little moments of Inglorious Bastards, there's like the little romance. But yeah, Jackie Brown for sure has romance up front and, it's you know in retrospect it doesn't surprise me that tarantino has this in him to make a a a you know a a heist movie that has this romance up front and i think it has a lot to do with how he sees like the two leads like pam greer and robert forrester and how much respect he has for these two actors and, and and thus like how much respect he has for their characters. So yeah, I uh, I think there's always this passion in Tarantino, and it's surprising to me that people think it's surprising, but because I think it's it's been there for a very long time. I mean, even in Pulp Fiction, there's the you know love story between Butch and uh, Fab- Fabian. Oh yes, yes, Fabian. yes, Fabian. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, which which I'll say I'll say. That one didn't come to mind right away because it is so off-putting. Yeah, it is very. It is. It is a solid romance, though. It like it. it, it and I. I always tend to think it's off-putting because of that. That conversation that I. I think I'm not here to critique Pulp Fiction, but right. Yeah. But like uh, uh, Bruce Willis' segment. Bruce Willis is amazing in it, but his segment there is maybe a little bit too long. Maybe a little bit too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, maybe maybe trim it down a bit. Anyway, I'm not here to critique a classic movie, but yeah. but. Yeah, it's it is a little bit off-putting, but I, I, the one that always comes to mind is Uma Thurman and Travolta because I don't know, like I've been on a Travolta kick this past year, at, uh, watching like Grease in a theater, Blowout in a theater, Pulp Fiction in a theater. Travolta just just has that magic, like he he knows how to play to the camera and those instances where you see him basically fall in love with Uma Thurman. Like that really got me. It's like, that's like solid acting from Travolta. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't want to gush about Travolta all the time, but, but yeah, but, but you're right though. The, 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 uh, the storyline with Bruce Willis too has that romance that uh, it's definitely there. Yeah. I, I think what, you know, what's interesting about Jackie Brown is that um, as we mentioned earlier, like these characters are older. I think they're, 40s 50s you know and um i think they because jackie brown and max cherry have this like really like world weariness they feel like they have just a lot on their shoulders and i think the like you know they're not jumping into bed with each other yeah you know and um and because like i feel like their romance happens pretty much all within their glances to each other and the way they it's like how they kind of talk around it instead of talking to each other about it to me that just gives this movie so much more like weight and gravitas absolutely because like we're i like that it's not um it, it, it 
it, it's something that may take people off guard. It's not something that they expect because they don't meet each other until what, like 20 minutes in to the movie. Yeah. And, and they have separate introductions. Like Jackie Brown is introduced like in her own way. And, uh, uh, um, uh, Max Cherry is introduced in his own way uh, by uh, by his conversation with uh, with Sam Jackson's character, and then again, I, I think it's unexpected, but I think it's like a beautiful like uh, uh, reveal in the movie when they do see each other when 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 Robert Forster looks at you know Pam Greer from a distance as she walks to him, and the music plays. Yeah. Like, oh. And then all of a sudden you have, for me, the hook of the movie. You go, oh, these two. And and I'll, I'll jump in to say this real quick. I should have looked this up, but I swear, I think Tarantino said that that moment when Robert Forrester, I want to hear your opinion on this, Manish, but he said that moment where Robert Forrester sees Pam Greer and the music plays, it's not supposed to be, according to Tarantino, a romantic moment. Which I'm like, really? Hmm. It's like, is that's 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 what that's one thing. I'm like, I should have looked into it. I should have like verified this, but I seem to remember him saying, no, it's more like a. Uh, I don't even know what it could be. <laughs> I don't. I, I really want to know what this man said you know, about this. I, I'm curious. I mean, one thing that I love about Tarantino is how he can like, he he's so good at getting in his own way. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You know, like I need to like. You know, anytime I want to defend him and I'm like, oh, no, like he's doing this and not that. Like, this is intent. He'll say something stupid. And I'm like, OK, Quentin, like <laughs> I was I was there for you. But you're like, you know, cackling about like people getting murdered in one upon time in Hollywood or whatever. And I'm like, how yeah. can I defend you when like you're saying the things that all your all the annoying criticisms that you that everyone's been I don't know, whatever. But yeah. I can totally picture him saying something like that. He might, I'm sure he said something stupid, like, you know, I don't, I, 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 I can't, I don't, I'm not even creative enough to figure out what, <laughs> he, what he thinks that scene is because the way it's filmed, it's so romantic with the music and the lighting and like her slow walk and like the way he's just like casually standing there waiting for her. And he doesn't even know that this like woman, like he's dropping off someone else. And it's just like yeah. a part of his, I mean, this is like such a like classic romantic thing of like, it's just a part of his like routine life. And then he meets this woman who's going to change his life forever. Like that's like every romance movie. Yeah. And, and I, I'll instruct the listeners to do their own research here, but I, I, I want to say he said something to the effect of like, maybe Max Cherry didn't look at Jackie Brown and it was love at first sight. Maybe that's what he was trying to say. It's not love at first sight, but I don't know. Like, he like films it like love at first sight. But it, he like, films it like love at first first sight. Like, and 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 that's yeah. fine because why wouldn't you be? Because <laughs> it's Pam Greer. Yeah, and, yeah. And and the thing I love about that moment is like the look on Forrester's face is so reserved, but it's it's. I don't know, it, uh, but I just buy it. Like I, I love Forrester in this, Robert Forrester. Yeah, yeah. Because he is just so straight-faced most of the time, but when he does get excited, when he just puts a smile on his face, like when he gets invested you know, into the, into the story, he gets invested because of Jackie Brown, because of Pam Greer. And that's why I love how I, I love how subtle Forrester is until he's not <laughs> until he's like helping at the chance like yeah. a, a moment later on when he sees 
uh, Jackie Brown at the mall. Like he's smiling like there's no tomorrow. It's like I, he, he is adorable in this, but, but it's that it, moment. It's that moment. Like when he first sees her yeah. that I truly see that like, like, okay, sure. It may not be love at first, but first sight, but it may be like this vast interest in this person and who she is. And I get that from their first meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he chose such a romantic song. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that's crazy. And even just their interactions, I mean, like, you know, the, the lighting at, you know, her house and like, I think it's like the next morning or at the Duke joint or whatever, like whenever they're together, like, you know, he has the lighting. It's so soft. The like their dialogue is so loaded it's very much like what you would see between like bogart and bacall like he's recalling he's recalling like that mid-century kind of like let's talk around the haze code kind of thing and uh to me i mean you know i don't i don't love the haze code but i feel like it does make things a little get it can force directors to be a little more creative and i think tarantino is really like looking into that by making it so like understated and i think contrasting that with melanie and and odell and um and, and lewis i think like it's such an i think you know i think those these these two like relationships are i think are really interesting contrast to each other because like with jackie brown and max it's like they're just so mature you know like sometimes Absolutely. it's like they're not even in the same movie as the other characters are and then like but they are. And, um, you know, it's just so like, I don't know, it's just fascinating to me to, to think about and just like how they go through these, this like heist plan. And like, you're right, like when, you know, when he catch when he like catches her or like looks at her at the store, it's when she's coming out in that like suit and she's like modeling it for the sales clerk. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like the perfect moment for him to like look over at her because she's like, glamorous and gorgeous and like powerful looking and like finally she looks you know like she looks like a movie star instead of a like you know broke you know flight attendant yeah <laughs> and okay and i'm glad uh, you brought up um how uh jackie brown and max cherry's relationship is so contrasted against like melanie and lewis melanie and ordell um, yeah. like that's one thing I really kept an eye on this time around. It's like the, 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 the dynamics between all these people and all these relationships. And like, one thing I focused on is just how, like, like how much Jackie is talking to Max Cherry about this plot and just how much at, at first I was like, Oh yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. I've seen this movie countless times. Right. But like reevaluating it now, I'm like, is Jackie Brown like manipulating Max Cherry to get her end? Um, I really thought about that this time. But then that final conversation they have, where she just flat out says, "I wasn't using you, Max." Yeah. And then and then Max goes, "I never said you were right," or or something to that effect. And uh, having been through just relationships, period, right? I can see how their dynamic is just so much more honest in this movie than Melanie and Lewis yeah, <laughs> whose yeah. dynamic is, is, is toxic, terrible. She is definitely using Lewis to, to, 
to get her end. And she's definitely like messing with Odell and Odell's messing with her in, in such terrible ways, but like Jackie and Max are, they, it feels like, and it, even though we don't see all of their conversations, like, it does feel like when they talk, they're very upfront or they're very like just open with each other and comfortable with each other that it like that also adds to their romance to their love they have so but yeah that 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 contrast between like their relationship and like the other people in the in in the movie's relationship like that was something i focused on too you know and it's they they're honest with each other because i feel like they have no reason to lie to each other like they don't Mm -hmm. have that same history that you know she has with ordell or that you know i I, so I, i think there's just like they hatched this plot and I, I, I don't know. I, I guess like, yeah, you consider like, well, maybe she like, it's just kind of like, why have this whole thing, you know? But then it's like, she's been, you know, beaten down by life. So it makes sense that she would want to like have something of her own and really like, you know, do something against Ordell who has probably caused a lot of trouble in her life. And um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Although, you know, thinking about Melanie, um this time around like it really kind of struck me like how much samuel jackson is playing a really like different shades to his relationship with melody because i don't think he trusts her and i think he knows that like she's you know screwing around or whatever but right at the same time like he's he does like seem genuinely upset when lewis says that uh he shot her you know like it's like I think he's like trying not to be upset, but I think like his, you know, the way he says, I think the line is like, if you had to, you had to. And it's like, I don't think you believe that. (laughs) I think you're like saying that, but I, I generally think that you are like really upset. And so like, and he murders him overhead instead of anything else, you know? Yeah. And it's that like, uh, one thing I caught on to this time around was, the fact that Ordell just just over the phone uh, towards uh, it was at it was, it was during that trial run when wow. he had uh, I forget her name but uh, uh, one of his girls take I think the money yeah played by Lisa Gay Hamilton yes yes I yes correctly and uh, 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 Sharonda I think her Sharonda, name is yeah. maybe so I think it's Sharonda who just leaves and just takes the ten thousand dollars yeah right. And but he just says over the phone, like, it's really no big deal. Like, she's just gone, which I'm like, huh, it now does he at this point, I guess he either maybe something happened behind the scenes. We don't know. Uh, or maybe something in the book or or who knows. But I wonder, it's like to him, to Ordell, are the women around him just that disposable? Uh, uh, and, and maybe he does hold Melanie in a higher regard than these other women in his life but the fact that he just says oh she's gone she's she's dipped uh basically saying we don't don't worry about that we're gonna focus on something else and that caught me off guard i'm like huh like it, 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 the, the the trust he puts into these women obviously he puts enough trust to have them carry ten thousand dollars but they are just quick enough to just stab him stab him in the back yeah. And, and it's that, and it's that, it's that, uh, it's that respect 
that that he lacks for these women that like really gets him in the end. Uh, but anyway, yeah. the, but but that's something I caught on to because like he has all these women who I'm assuming he some of them he sleeps with or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not just, all of them, if not all of them. But it's just this dangerous dynamic he has with them that they, you know, they they end up screwing him over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, of course, the obvious, you know, comparison to Bill, right? And Kill Bill, right. who also has an army of, you know, gorgeous, capable, intelligent women around him. Right. Um, who I think... I, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if they are that quick to betray him. And I think it's interesting because I, I feel like Bill and Ardell both think they, res- I think they would both disagree with what you just said, right? I think they like have that delusion in their minds of like, oh no, I care about these women. I love them. You know, like I respect them. Like I, you know, I think he definitely will say that at least to if anything just to lie to himself if no one else believes it and i think bill is the same where like you know bill like he's he has the audacity to like pretend to be the victim you know when when the bride betrays him or whatever um so and i think i think both these two guys just have the same like kind of mentality of like you know oh no i actually care about you know, Sharonda, I care about Melanie. And I I still do think he does care about Melanie in, in, in a different way. Um, I mean, she's the one that's like staying at the house and like is with him all the time. Yeah. Um, although I don't think he's faithful to her at all. No, but, not at all. Um, yeah, and- I don't know. It's just, it just something to think about because I just felt like his, Samuel Jackson being such a talented actor, I think he like really put a lot of subtext in that last scene with Lewis. You know. Absolutely. Oh, and I just want to clear up. It was uh, Simone, that character who took the 10,000 oh, yeah. yeah, by yeah. Hattie uh, Winston. So we'll okay. make that clear. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, and, and, and talking about Sam Jackson, um, I, it's uh, very obvious. I mean, he's, he's, he's incredible in this. Um, but I love those little moments like uh, before he leaves uh, Melanie and Lewis, uh by themselves like you see you, you hear him whisper to Melanie, is like like don't tear his clothes off like be careful like he knows like leaving her with him it's like they're gonna sleep with each other and then later on in the bar like after talking with lewis it's like oh she 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 told you like to to betray me right so like <laughs> it's this it's this ego it's this like sam jackson playing this character who thinks he's going to outsmart everybody but in the end, gets outsmarted. It, 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 I, I, don't, I don't know. I love that bravado from Sam Jackson in this role. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like of course, he's like, he thinks of himself as like a ladies' man. He's in control. Yeah. But he's obviously not in control. And that's what really gets him in the end. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, all of these, you know, are, you know, Simone, Jackie, Melanie, all three of them betray him in some way, right? Like, yeah. Jackie, of course, kind of overhauls in his entire plan and, you know, empire or whatever leads him getting killed. Melanie sleeps with Lewis and Simone runs off of the money. And, you know, even Beaumont, maybe not a mistress, oh, who knows, <laughs> but even he is, you know, able to betray him or at least anger him in such a way. So, you know, it's like he doesn't have as much control as he thinks he does. And I think that's, I think that's like one thing that I really love about, you know, these like, tarantino you know villains right like 
even Hans, even, you know, Bill, even like, um, uh, I don't know why I can't, the, I can't think of the name, but in the hateful eight, you know, even, uh, Oh, I forget that name too. Uh, Calvin candy, Kendall, right. candy in, uh, Daniel and Tans, like they just don't have the control that, that they think they have. And it leads to their downfall. And I think, you know, they underestimate the people that, you know, are in, they underestimate the people around them that they think they're like superior to. Yeah. And also uh, Kurt Russell and death proof. I think that's yeah, another example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Underestimating, you know, the, the, the people who he's trying to terrorize, like it just comes back on them. Yeah. And I think that's one reason why uh, Jackie Brown and Max Cherry, why not only their plan goes off well, but why they have such a respect and affection and attraction to each other is that they don't underestimate each other. Like exactly. I think they know exactly where each other stands. And I think, there is that like inherent trust between them that absolutely it maybe just be born from just having this like similar experience of just kind of being like tangentially connected to the criminal world, but like not enough to like really be poisoned by it too much. It's, it's during that conversation where they talk about when they first talk about like getting old, yeah, that you see this connection that's more profound than any connection you see like in, in the rest of the movie with any other character, right? Yeah. Like you see Ordell and Lewis, like they're lifelong friends or whatever, but Lewis, uh, De Niro as Lewis, it's like speaking of like subtle, it's like, <laughs> like I, I almost, and this is not a bad thing. I almost forget De Niro's in this movie. Yeah, because I was going to say that. <laughs> I feel the same way. Because his character is just so understated. Yeah. And and every time you see Ordell talk to Lewis, you see Sam Jackson being Sam Jackson and like like being uh, uh, big, loud. And yeah. then De is just very quiet, doesn't say much, right? Uh, um, like, sure, they're friends, but like there's no, like, you just hear that you just see one character talk and another one listen. But with Jackie and Max, they're both talking, they're both listening, and they're both saying, like, like again, go, go back to that conversation they have about getting old and Max Cherry talking about, like, his, his hair piece and, like, how it makes him feel good. It's, like, right there, there's an honesty, again, that yeah. you don't get with any other character, like, like, like talking like, with yeah. each other than, than these two. It's, again, it's, it's, it's a reason why I think this, this story, this love story works so well and how they get away with it because... They see the value in each other. They can trust each other, and and their assumptions are were all right because not only did they you know get the money, but like everything else, <laughs> like all of Ordell's plans uh, go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it's because he didn't have that trust, that connection with other people like Jackie has with Max. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, like you know, Ordell and Lewis are both like the, you know we talk about the age thing. I think. Ordell and Lewis both are trying to like stay young by being with these like younger women. And I think that right. also just like, you know, leads to their, I mean, not just women, but like, you know, Beaumont is also probably like 20 years younger. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Chris Tucker is really young in this movie. Uh, Cause it's like almost pre rush hour, I think, or like right yes. around then. So like he's younger. So like, um, I mean, so I, I think that they're trying to like d- have these dalliances with like young people who are like young, stupid, and experienced, you know, have the, those insecurities. Whereas like Max and Jackie are like the same age. They're like, 
or they're like in the same generation they like have that same kind of like we've been through it all and now here we are and there's no nothing left to do but like be honest with each other that that is a great point manisha i've never thought about that even though i should think about that more often <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> overall in my life but like the, the the fact that yeah ordell gravitates more towards you know these younger women like melanie f- for sure um yeah I, it's it leads to his downfall <laughs> yeah I, if, if if only he had that same thing for jackie although i do see ordell like respecting jackie up yeah. to a point but never trusting her right, right. and i think that's his pro yeah that's his problem like he never does trust her which maybe he should have at the beginning like maybe he should have yeah, given I mean, her a lot I more credit like he treats her like he treats his like you know 20 year old absolutely you know and yeah. she's like no i'm an adult like i can actually like have a I actually have the intelligence and the like conviction to like outsmart you. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It, 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 it's because he thinks Jackie is just another like 20 something. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be little, I don't want to say anything about 20 something. 20 somethings are smart, but <laughs> although I will say, I don't, I also don't want to talk about, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to talk shit on Melanie a lot because I think Bridget Fonda as Melanie, like, as as manipulative as she is as a character, I think the fact that she's actually just trying to do her own heist, her own way, I yeah. give her a lot of credit for, but she goes about it the wrong way. <laughs> well, least, I do. Yeah. I mean, look, we have to talk about the woman of the hour, you know, Pam Greer. Yes. Um, but I do want to just talk, touch upon Melanie before we get into that, because that, that's a whole other, you know, 10 minute discussion. But I, I Melanie, I've the more I watch it, the more she's probably my favorite of the like supporting characters just because right. I think that, you know, she's like just close enough to like outsmarting or like at least getting under the skin of Ordell and Lewis. And I think, especially with Lewis, I mean, it's so easy for her to get under his skin and like, it's the same way of like, I mean, I, I think like, um, you know, like, like how like, they're, like there's like, it's like the meme or like the joke that like, you know, teens or like young people are can just be so mean to older people just because like they know how to like they know how to like they find that one weak spot that you have you know yeah and like i think melanie is a great example of that and uh, yeah i think she's having her own her own uh her own little mini heist and i think she's like trying to do it and i think again i give her credit for it and i think she's in a position where she doesn't have a lot of power nominally you know, because like she's basically has no job, probably has little education. If Ordell ever decides to be done with her, what's she what's she gonna do? You know, so I I, I feel like she has a little bit more self awareness, but I also think that you know she she's not quite as I mean she's not quite there yet. And I think the way that she's like needling Lewis, it's kind of like her own way of like emasculating him and unfortunately it works too well but like yeah i think she's able to like again like just the way that simone is like running off with this money or you know the way that jackie brown is like pulling off her own heist i think even melanie's trying to find some way to like subvert the power structure that she's in and also that like to um you know like she's not I mean, the fact that it's like someone, you know, Bridget Fonda is playing the role, like heiress of the Fonda dynasty, right? It's not some yeah. like random actress. I, I think she was probably cast for a very, like purposefully. Um, and I think she brings a lot 
to the role. And I think it's a much more complicated role than probably would have been had it just been some like, you know, random, you know, non-famous actor. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like with, with every watch of this, I, I appreciate her character a lot more uh, at Melanie's. And yeah. it's like those look, those like quieter moments like when she's showing Lewis like the the the, the picture of her uh, in in another country like Japan right and yeah. like she 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 uh, cut out like the, the man who she was with in the picture and that little story like feels sort of like an encapsulation of her character like she wants to be her own person yet she's with these powerful men um, and she finds herself in these situations but I get that sense that she wants to be her own person. And she wants to use Lewis to get to that end. And yeah, yeah she miscalculates. Uh, and uh, uh, Lewis is, is uh, again, it, it, it's, it's, it's that, it's that understated De Niro that all of a sudden just bursts like in that moment, like when he kills uh, Melanie, that I'm like, Oh yes, this is why you cast a Robert De Niro and like a, in a quote unquote little role like this. It's like, you get moments like that where he just, loses it right. and and yeah it, it does break my heart that we see melanie like dead but but uh, it, again it's like nobody's gonna not everybody's gonna make it out alive in this movie <laughs> yeah i mean i for the reason that i thought of um you watch the sopranos right yes i've seen the sopranos i yeah. thought of adriana a lot during that yeah let's see i don't know for some reason it just maybe because like we actually don't see her dead like she gets shot off off camera yeah and i was like you know, I always like to think of Adriana as like, she's not, obviously she's not an innocent person and in that like, you know, she has done a lot of criminal activity in her life, but she's kind of like, you know, she was like kind of born into this life and she doesn't really have a way out. And like, she's, you know, obviously like, I mean, I think, you know, Chris Moltisanti is, you know, too stupid to kind of realize that like, he's her ticket or she's his ticket out. And like, you know, he chooses the wrong person, you know, in terms of like yeah. where his loyalty lies ultimately. Um, and so I think I don't, for some reason, I just, I just thought of Adriana because I think of Melanie as someone similar where she's just like, doesn't really have a lot of options and is, you know, just has to suffer the consequences of kind of being put in this position, which is unfair. I think. You know, I don't yeah. Think- uh, ultimately I think it is tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, I don't know, like she, I guess, under uh, uh, underestimated Lewis for sure. Yeah. And just thought that it, it would have been an easier heist um, than it actually was. Right. <laughs> and, and, and credit goes to like Jackie and Max, who like really thought it out, who really right. were, were just, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, go ahead. It makes you wonder, right? Like if Jackie and Melanie had just joined forces. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. I think. I, oh, God. I love that moment when like Jackie just like gives her that money in, yeah. in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the changing room yeah. and just goes, booyah, there you go. Like, what has he ever done for us? Right. Exactly. Oh, so good. I mean, again, that's another like, um, you know, uh, Kill Bill moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about like, um, you know, I don't know, just like, I like you just wonder like when like, you know, the bride is like fighting these like Lucy Liu or whatever. You're just kind of like, you're really fighting over Bill. Like, I know. I know yeah. they're not fighting over him, but like they're in this position because of him. And I'm like, this guy that's like some random guy. Like, I don't know. 
I love, I love, I mean, I could talk about Kill Bill for hours, but um, anyway, I, we, 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 I do want to talk a lot about Pam Greer just because, yeah, let's talk. Yeah. Um, you know, she has this, she has this quality where she can be like both exhausted, world weary, put upon, but also look completely glamorous and badass. And she, I, I, she just can strike that balance better than anyone else can that I can think of, especially you know, in a movie like this that, you know, I think requires her to be a play a lot, a lot of different roles. Yeah. Oh, and another thing I should have mentioned at the beginning of this conversation about like how people, uh, uh, back when this, this was released, how they took it, um, my expectations. It's like, yeah, you put Pam Greer in the leading role, you call it Jackie Brown. It's like, you're gonna you're gonna expect to see a black exploitation movie like made by Quentin Tarantino, right? And this is not that. <laughs> um, like, sure, there are some like little flourishes, it's like the, the the opening credit sequence, like certain like I mean the outfits. Some of them re- re- remind me of like black exploitation like movies. I some of the settings too. Her her red outfit that she yes. wears and the yes. way that she's filmed, like kind of buzzing into that apartment, is very like coffee you know absolutely yeah but yeah it's the, the you know jackie brown is not that jackie brown is much more like a uh, uh, uh like th- thriller heist slow burn it's not a black exploitation movie right yet pam greer and, and pam greer th- th- this is the best i've ever seen her like she definitely has that weight like you're saying earlier honor of like she's lived through a lot and yet like she's still alive like she's still pushing through like she wants that future for herself even though the world is not giving her her fair due um and i love her in this i i love pam Grant in this because she she brings her own particular of a toss to it and it's 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 like hard to explain because it's like her, it's so it's pam greer's own like gravitas that i wish i had seen more of yeah i mean i don't know what happened i mean i i haven't seen like all you know post jackie brown pam greer movies but i don't know i i wish she had more of like a a, a renaissance after this where we saw a lot more of her in like dramas um sort of capitalizing on on the on the success of this because oh god i mean pam greer i love her i know she did a couple of movies with um john carpenter john yes carpenter but i feel like that was his like you know flop era like those yeah. movies no one really watches i mean listen era. i love yeah i love john carpenter but yes i i agree he, he uh, towards the end he, he had a flop era um no disrespect but yes yeah. uh pam greer starred and i think at least one of those movies i forget yeah. which um, i feel like it's something about mars yeah, Ghosts of Mars, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I think because this role really traded in on her black exploitation films, and like to me, it's like, yeah, this movie takes place like 20 years after those movies. Like, you know, it's not gonna be as like wild as those movies are, but um like I think it's almost because of like it's such a like meta role in a sense that like yeah I, c- I can imagine a very you know racist sexist you know like pigeonholing Hollywood being like well yeah of course she did that but that's because that's what she does and now there's no room for her anywhere else um, and I-, I think it's unfair but I mean I think it's unfair because like obviously like John Travolta got the major boost from Pulp Fiction and like 
you know, that's sort of like what Tarantino like is like famous for, right? Is kind of like re reinvigorating these like old careers. I think mean, even like Jamie Foxx like kind of had like a resurgence after Django, and yeah. you know, of course, he like discovered Christoph Waltz for better or worse, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's upsetting that she didn't really get to have that, you know, renaissance. And I think if this, I think if this movie had come out now, she would be like in that same, like, you know, conversation that we have around, like, I don't know who's been back recently. Like, um, I don't know. Nicholas Cage or yeah, Nicholas Cage or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah, those two. Yeah, like she would be. It would be that kind of conversation that we're having around her, and like she would be doing a lot. She'd be able to like capitalize it on it more because there's just be like more opportunities for her to like also like you know go on television more or like become like or like go on podcasts and do interviews and do voice work. You know, like she'd find there are more avenues for her to do that kind of stuff now than I think there were back in the 90s absolutely yeah um yeah because i i'm looking through her filmography and like her last film was 2019 yeah uh, the movie called palms uh which i barely remember oh and- i saw that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like diane keaton and like Rhea perlman i think they do like a senior center cheerleading squad oh okay okay it's cute i mean it's like you know it's like and that's post small mia kind of boom of like these like movies for like older like book club you know it's like that uh, oh okay i i seem to remember that now yeah, yeah okay and she's been in some tv uh recently but yeah um it's 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 that break i wish it's the john travolta break i wish she, she yeah she would have got yeah. you know post pulp fiction because i mean you know like i've seen a few of her um black putting movies and of course she's very charismatic she's very badass she's very cool but i wouldn't be able to you wouldn't guess that she could do this kind of like complex yeah you know textured performance because those movies don't ask her they'll ask that of her you know and i think jackie brown asks that of her and tarantino asks that of her and she more than rises to the occasion and i think there's just so many scenes where she again balances that like hey i'm this like you know amazing powerful woman but also like beaten down by life and try to navigate that balance is so fascinating yeah my performance one of my favorite moments in this movie is when she puts on that new suit she's in the dressing room and she looks at herself in the mirror yeah and she doesn't say anything she just looks and it's like you're saying before, many shits like it's the role is very it's it's meta. And it's like that suit does feel like one that she would have worn like 20 years ago in in, yeah. in, in, in one of those movies. But yet she's aged, you know, 20 years, and she has this look of like, I don't know what it is. Like, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Am I this person in this suit? what am I going to do next? Right. And there's a lot going through in her head. You, you, you can tell by her face that I don't, it, it, it once again proves to me that like, she's an amazing actress. Yeah. And again, I wish she had been given more roles like this that just really, really dug into like what she is able to do as an actress. Yeah. And what, I mean, one of my favorite parts of the movie, I mean, like her, I mean, the high sequence, you know, the way that it kind of, shows all the different you know characters there at the same time i love that but i love her part of that because like the way she's like talking to the like sales clerk you know the iconic 
uh, her name is Amy. <laughs> we love Amy. Yeah. Um, uh, we love her. And like, and the way that like, she's like, runs and has to go back to get her change. And then she's like running through the mall and she's like, Ray, Ray, come on. You know, it's like that whole sequence is like, it's just her. And it's just like her, like, you just can like read all this stuff on her face and just like the panic, the like, but like, what's panic? What's the act? What? Yeah. You know, like it's very, it's very like, um, uh, it's very nuanced. I think her, the way she plays the entire sequence. All Absolutely. And it's something that I've caught on to. I, I th- to to me, it's not that it's obvious. To me, it's like I, I I catch it every time Tarantino does it in his movies, where when you don't expect it, there's an aspect to his movies where like their lead characters are acting in some way. Yeah. And this to me took longer for me to realize that, like, yes, in that moment you're talking about, Manish, when like she runs out of the dressing room and she's panicked. Like the first time I saw this, or one of the first times I saw it, uh, uh, I was like, wait, is she re- like, what's going on yeah. here? It's like, why right. is she panicked? But right. no, like she is acting. And, and in that moment, like, it's, 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 it's the beauty of this. It's like, she shows like so much of like what she's able to do as a person, I guess, as like, you know, uh, 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 if they made a sequel to this, like you see her like in Spain as an actress, like who knows, like Jackie Brown yeah. could, could do anything. Like to me, yeah. it's like Jackie, Jackie Brown can do anything. She can act, she can, you know, steal thousands of dollars. She'd do whatever. But like that moment, yeah, it does trick you. I'm like, 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 why is she so panicked? But no, it's all an act. It's all just to cover her ass. Like anybody she runs, she runs into, they'll say like, oh, like, yeah, she looked like she, like she looked like uh, 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 like somebody just took something from her. Like it, yeah. she was just covering her ass. And it's the beauty of this movie that her character at that moment becomes like the world's greatest actress, <laughs> which is great. And it's it's you know it's interesting to think of that in, in terms of her as an actress because um, I feel like she puts on different roles for the different people that she interacts with, right? Like the way she talks to Ordell is different than the way she talks to Ray, which is different how she talks to Max and different how she talks to. Sharonda, like you know even like her small interaction with lisa k hamilton in the mall like it's very um it's like understated almost like sympathetic empathetic of kind of like hey you know we're both in this like weird situation and like you know she's like go ahead and eat that's like one of my favorite parts of the movie because it's like you know she's like calming down this very nervous woman who's in over her head and probably like needs this money or needs to like be doing this for some like dramatic reason um, and so but she, but she does and like the way she's with with like the feds is so interesting to me because she's like completely like stiff as a board does not give them anything is constantly pushing back at them um, like another really kind of funny line is when they're like we didn't give you permission to smoke and she's like well may I and they're yeah. like no it's <laughs> just like the, just the way that she like it's not her first time kind of like having to really be like a brick wall and not give people something. So I feel like the minute she gets vulnerable, I think something can get taken from her. And that's why she allows Max, she allows herself to be vulnerable with Max because he won't take anything from her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's in those moments, again, going back to this like love story, it's yeah. like she, like uh, you're right. Like she has these different ways she talks to these other characters and i i do love that like her 
and uh, and Ray, uh, Michael Keaton's character. It's like they kind of have something going on. Like, like yeah, he, there's something there. <laughs> it's like he, he he takes her out like to a Mexican restaurant or something. They have like a date seemingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, okay. Like, it, I, I kind of wish they had gone more into that. Like, yeah. Like, like what exactly is like Ray like trying to do here? Or or maybe Ray is just like a, a nice uh, ATF agent and, and takes you know people out for dinner and just has I mean, nice conversations. I don't know. That's possible but i just feel like i feel like there's these men or these people around jackie brown they're just so transfixed by her you know yes that like, yeah 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 the delphonics start playing whenever she's in the room yes right? so <laughs> That's, like, yeah she That's... just has that quality and it's, it's you know of course she's very beautiful but it's not just her look it's just like her aura and just like her confidence and just the way that she is like also, sometimes it's kind of like the role she puts on for you, where she might need to, she might need you to be, um, sort of like taken with her because then she can, she'll have, might have more power in that situation. Hundred percent, because like there's that another moment I love is when her and Ray are uh, Ray's like counting the money or, or marking the money. And she just slightly goes like, have you ever been tempted? And she smiles like that, yeah. that Pam Greer smile. Yeah. And like expecting Ray to kind of like flirt back with her, but then Ray's just very much like, nope. It's like, I'm all about uh, uh, getting he's this done. Such a good issue. I know. <laughs> it's like you, you almost wish he'd say, like, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. <laughs> and- that's, the, that's the tragedy of this romance. And I, I want to talk about the ending because, yeah. you know, um, I think this movie can really only end in this way. And I feel like it would be a betrayal of both characters. If, if he actually does go to Spain with her. Um, and I, because I, I think, yeah, he's a goody two shoes. And um, I, to me, it's like, because they had this sort of like criminal conspiracy plan together, it's like almost in sense of like, whatever relation, whatever like romance they might've had was kind of tainted with that. And they just can't, it just, I, I feel like he just can't move on from that, you know? And I think um, I think she also might feel that he would resent the fact that, like, she had him do that, which was something illegal. You know, I don't know. Does that, does that ring true for you? Or is there, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, between Max and Jackie, the, yeah. the ending? Uh, I mean, <sighs> did I, today... Uh, well, I'll just say most of the time when I see the ending, I do say to myself, just go with her. <laughs> just yeah. go. It does feel sad. <laughs> and yeah. I, I do feel like bad for him. Uh, I, 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 see, I see where you're coming from, Manish, though. Um, like it's yes, this relationship has been tainted. Like he like they, they've done something illegal. The best thing for do uh, the best thing for them to do is just to not be around each other because that that'd be much safer for the both of them right it's like right. sure right on paper it makes sense but i'm like come on <laughs> and, and, and okay and i'll say this uh, uh there are many reasons why i connect with like max cherry's character like one of them being it's like he just goes to the movies by himself like whenever he wants and i know yeah it's it's uh, uh like when he runs into jackie at the mall for the first time he like he's walking out of a movie and just goes like to the food court and just randomly sees her and like that's that's me except without the jackie part like know, every time i go <laughs> every time i go to the amc <laughs> at, at, at my local mall um and then like he tells uh um 
uh, uh, Winston, like he's a uh, Winston goes, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to go see a movie. Like uh, whatever starts soon, it looks good. It's like, that's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. Um, but I see, okay. Max Cherry's decision not to go. I see it just personally me as like, he does care about her so much that he's just so like, he feels like he has a purpose at his job as wild as that may sound because he's just working as a bail bondsman. He feels like, even though like he, he earlier in the movie, he's like, what am I doing? It's like, I I spent all this time waiting for somebody and then nothing happened. And he, 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 uh, he's conflicted about what he wants to do in life. And yet he chooses at the end to stay working uh, as a bail bondsman. And he, and I don't know, like maybe he is just worried of taking that leap with Jackie Brown uh, because I, yeah, Jackie Brown at the end goes, are you scared of me? And I think part of, uh, part of it is like, yeah, he is. It's like, he, he doesn't want to take that leap in the end and go yeah. with her. And when he walks away, that beautiful moment when he walks away and uh, um, uh, the whole screen goes out of focus Um it's like it's it shows his just just this question mark of like what's going to happen with him next like he's off in the distance he's blurry like uh, it's not clear you know uh, uh, philosophically and like and like uh, literally it's not clear that to me that always gets me because like that that I'm like god damn we don't know what what's going to happen with him right he's wondering this I'm sure he's going to be wondering it until the the day passes away it's like should i have gone with her that to me is like the beauty of this movie it's like not only like the act of them you know splitting and and her going off and and i'm staying it's like sure it, it happened but like that little act of like him hanging up the phone on that call walking away I, I don't know. It's, it's tragic. It's, it, it always gets me now. Uh, just, 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 just the fact that there's like this uncertainty with his life and like all of us, like uh, not even a minute after she's gone to me, he's like, he's like thinking to himself, damn, maybe I should have gone. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's my impression of this ending. And then, and then the, 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 the beautiful uh, uh, shot of, of Jackie driving away, singing to uh, across 110th street. It's like, that is beautiful too. And like, you see that sadness in her, but yet you still feel like happy for her. Like it, it's, it's a much more happier side of things like her driving off into the sunset. Uh, yeah. But yeah. 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 I mean, I, to, you know, to me, I, as I get older, something I've said on the podcast many times, it's like, as I get older, like these more bittersweet tragic endings are more interesting to me. And so, like, I love what you say that, like, the idea is that, like, he's always going to be wondering, even five seconds after she leaves, he's always, he'll be wondering if he made the right choice. And that, to me, is, that's kind of, like, romantic, in a sense, because it's, like, that, like, lingering, that longing is there. And, you know, I think, like, I I read somewhere, I I wish I could remember where, but that the choice of 100, of across 110th Street is really interesting, because, it's about it's like talking about like a, a criminal neighborhood and it sort of like highlights the divide between Jackie Brown's life and Max Cherry's life, which is that, right. you know, she's across 110th Street where, you know, she's running off with stolen money going on the run. And he's in his like very 
legal, you know, box of being the bail bondsman, doing the same thing over and over again. And it's safe, but it's not, it's not the, like, uh, it's not the satisfying life that he wants, you know? I mean, as much as we, we love him going, he's alone, but like, he's going alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and like, he'll never have the connection with someone else that he had with Jack. He might get married again, maybe, who knows, but like, it'll never be the same. Yeah. And it's that beautiful thing of like, uh, uh, what's what's that stupid phrase it's like what's better to what's better than to have love and love lost it's better to have loved and lost than not loved at all yeah exactly and i kind of feel like that's okay uh, something we we i think we kind of touched on is like the music yeah the fact that another layer of this relationship um that i love is like the fact that like she gets him to listen to music that he wouldn't listen to yeah. you know if it wasn't for her and like introduces him to, to to things he hasn't thought about and this whole relationship that they have in this span of time it's beautiful uh illegal may uh, uh, as it is it's it's beautiful and maybe another reason why he just doesn't go is like well he he got to know her like he changed uh she changed his life in a way like he got to kiss her at least that's something, yeah. but maybe that's all he, he wanted. And again, maybe he is just scared of like going in further because it might ruin the relationship. Uh, so yeah, I, I see it as this tragic thing of like, he loved her for this bit, but I guess he has to let her go, you know, for whatever yeah. reason he has to let her go, which again, kills me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, you know, the, the risk of, you know, they get together and, you know, it doesn't work out or something happens or something. I mean, that, that would be even worse. Now he can like, now they can both kind of have this little period of time is like enshrined in, in Amber, you know, fossilized. Yeah, exactly. It can be this thing and, you know, it doesn't have to, reality doesn't have to touch it, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's it's to me, that's really profound. And, I always think about the line from Lost in Translation. I think Scarlett Johansson, Scarlett Johansson says, like, let's never come here again because it won't be the same. Yeah. That's a, I think of I think about that line all the time when I watch movies like this, where it's like, yeah, like, let's just have this moment as what it is and not, not kind of bring, bring real life into it, not kind of make this more real because, you know, it can only disappoint <laughs> ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess another thing is like, I, uh, he feels to me like somebody who is just there for somebody at the right time. Yeah. Um, like as, uh, uh, maybe mostly as a friend, possibly as a lover, but the fact that he was there at all was like poetic to me and, yeah. and was able to help her, you know, get the job done and like help improve her uh, her life so i don't know uh maybe she's like many layers i can i can see in this that just like hit me pretty yeah. hard like thinking about like relationships or honest relationships that are out there and just how they how they end and how you'd want them to end and how they really end and that that's why like, this movie to me is like perfect in a way that like i kind of wish i had moments like that of where I am in love with this person, have this beautiful moment at the end, and yet choose to say that's it. Because what better way to end something than that? 
it's mm-hmm. literally a Hollywood ending. It's like, right. <laughs> and that's that, that to me is beautiful. It's to me, it's like more beautiful than like any, not any, like, uh, uh, you know, other romantic, sh- straight romantic endings, not straight, like sexuality, but I mean, like, no, yeah, but like, like conventional, conventional. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the word, like conventional, happy romantic endings. Right. This to me feels a bit more like, I don't know, uh, impactful, uh, cuts to the bone, I guess, more real too, or something that you, uh, that you think about, like, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's the acknowledgement that, you know, real life is always kind of at your doorstep, you know? And I think like, you know, as my, I mean, I love a conventional happy ending romance too, but you know, those it's, it's i think those you know like i think more traditional romantic movies romantic comedies whatever like i think that they want you to have that escapism but to me sometimes the like the fantasy is only powered by the fact that like reality is is kind of like at the you know at the back of your heels you know yeah you know reality does suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just say that. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, another like love story I just thought of that sort of ends not in the in, not in the straight similar way, but like in a, in a way where it's like not completely like they they go off into the sunset, or at least it acknowledges that it won't end like going into the sunset is like speed, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where like Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock kiss, and they say that line. It's like, uh, what's the percentage of 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 relationships that start like in in trauma that end you know terribly or something like it's something yeah. to that effect they acknowledge that like a relationship like this won't last yet they have it <laughs> right right yeah, which which to me is like more romantic than like other you know romance movies it's like the movie speed and like yeah. i look at this movie jackie brown is like being romantic than other romantic movies it's it's that sort of unconventional like grounded in reality it's like enjoy this while it lasts or enjoy this for what it is because in reality it's not always like this. Well, and I, I think the the magic trick that Tarantino gives to us as a filmmaker is that, like, even this movie is grounded and you know realistic, he still gives us those like Hollywood touches, like you know, like the the scene where he when she gets picked up from prison, or any of the scenes when like the scene that, like the next morning when you know she's keeping the lights low, you know, she's in her bathrobe and stuff, and like yeah. you know this even this you know all this. Um, you know, the ending too, like it's filmed very cinematically. So we're not losing the romance of it just because it's more grounded. In fact, it's like more heightened. And I think the filmmaking really, you know, keeps that like, it keeps that romanticism alive, even in the face of this, you know, sad, tragic ending. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it does a beautiful balance yeah. of all of that. And I don't know just specifically the way it's shot, like their kiss at the end. Yeah, the way it's like it's just in one frame, a single, a single shot. Um, I don't know. There's something very real about that kiss that yeah. always gets me too. Of like, again, not conventional Hollywood, you know, young people kissing. It's like two people. I think like Pam Greer at this point is like 47. I don't know how old Robert Forrester was at the time. Yeah. But yeah. Just those two kissing. And it just felt like there is passion there. <laughs> yeah. There is like that, that uh, like they kiss and they pull away. And then like Robert Forrester goes in for one more kiss. It's like, Oh, 
that's good. That's good. That's again, that, that goes into just how I don't, I bought it. It's real, but then also just the way it's shot, it's very, very Hollywood. Again, it's, 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 it's shot in this glow. That's it's, it's hard to, hard to replicate in other movies, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think only someone like Tarantino, who I think has such a rich history with, you know, cinema history and, um, you know, has such an eye for, you know, like, I don't, I, he's always, he's famous for his action scenes or his like, you know, more like, you know, whatever, macho scenes, whatever. But I think he brings that same level of specificity and, and cinema and like, you know, visual aesthetic to, to even like these more like softer romantic scenes. And that's just like, you know, why well, he's one of the best, right? Like, oh, yeah. As, an, as annoying as he is sometimes, I mean, I, I think like there's some quote of his going around on social media last this past weekend. And I'm just like, God, you're so obnoxious. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, you kind of have to forget that he like has a mouth sometimes. <laughs> Which is, um, I a hundred percent agree. You know, <laughs> like I love the guy and you know, I, I generally do. I think he's one of my favorite filmmakers and I, it really does annoy me when people kind of write him off because I feel like, you know, Jackie Brown and Kill Bill volume two and Inglorious Bastards and, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, these are such like wistful, thoughtful, melancholy movies that I think bring a lot of mature emotion to them um, and have, I think, a lot more on their brains than I think people might give credit for. But um, stay tuned for a Kill Bill episode of the podcast. <laughs> I feel like I'll, I'll bring you back happen. on for that because that, yes. that could be a whole three hour discussion, honestly. Oh, right? Trust me, as, as, <laughs> as obsessed I am with Jackie Brown, I'm a lot more obsessed with Kill Bill. I mean, yeah. Kill Bill is the reason why I'm here. I think doing yeah. podcasts at 36. It's like right. it's because I read <laughs> it's, it's it's because I read the script for Kill Bill yeah. when I was like 12. <laughs> it's like that's that's why I love movies. Is 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 Kill Bill and yeah. Uh, bring me back, Manish, because I, I I have thoughts about that romance and oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a doozy. And, you know, there's like, there's like so many fan theories about like his Bill's relationship to the other assassins in the squad. And I don't know, I think they're all interesting. Um, but yeah, so uh, Marcelo, any kind of like, what are some like other like scenes in the movie that really jump out to you? Or like lines you want to bring up or needle drops or anything like that, that kind of are like, okay, this is like, while this movie well i um it, we touched on it a bit but the sequence of the actual like uh robbery theft the the whole showing it you know semi out of order or like that yeah little, the, the the time jumps that the, like, does. Of it all, yeah yeah right? yes perfect yeah, yeah the, the 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 rashomon aspect of it i dig that so much and it's it's oh uh, 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 it's Again, I think it's Tarantino. I haven't read the book, by the way. I haven't read Rum Punch. So I don't know just how much of of of, of the scripts takes from the book. But it, it goes to show that like at this point in his career, he definitely like he he backs away from you know uh, the reservoir dogs pulp fiction and only gives you some of this like 
uh, um, plot structuring that's like unique yeah. in a way that it's not too off-putting for me. You know, n- not to say Pulp Fiction was off-putting, but like definitely it was there just to like say, look at this time jump. It did it well. It did it amazingly, right? Yeah. Pulp Fiction, fine. But in Jackie Brown, it's not in your face. It's just like, here it is. And and I think that the propulsion of the music and the editing and like the even like the 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 text on screen saying like what time it is, it's like all of that just works. I love that entire sequence of like seeing it from like different perspectives at different times. Um, I don't know. I, I dig that sequence so much. So I, I think know? that's a solid aspect of this movie. Yeah. Well, one thing about Pulp Fiction, it's like the fact that like you can read like the summary of Pulp Fiction like chronologically, it's like, okay, I think you probably just like he just like mix and matched sequences, right? Like yeah. And that's, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, and, you know, of course, for that time, I'm sure it was very not, I mean, I know it was very novel. And so, and it still works. And, you know, I, I like, Pulp yeah, absolutely. Fiction, but like, Pulp Fiction just lacks the, like, it just lacks the, like, grandeur of this kind of movie, the, like, emotional grandeur. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my favorite part, well, I mean, no, my second favorite part, aside from the, the Jackie Brown part, it's like when we have Max and he's like, on one hand, looking at Jackie Brown coming out of the dressing room. On the other hand, like looking at Lewis kind of yes. like parading <laughs> Melanie in public. Um, it's such a like, it's it's not funny because it's like, okay, no one should be like manhandling a young woman like that in a mall. Um, and I'm like, why isn't anyone, like no one's stopping her because it's the mid 90s. Or no yeah. one's stopping him because it's the mid 90s. But I guess I don't think anyone would stop them now anyway. But um, but I just think it's a funny contrast, right? Because like he's someone who obviously has a lot of, you know, respect for Jackie Brown, and he's in love with her, and he's seeing her on this side, being like, "Yeah, here's this like cool criminal, glamorous <laughs> lady that I'm like involved with." And on the other hand, here's these two idiots who like can't even like decide who's holding the bag. <laughs> I think can't yeah. figure out like where their car is or whatever. Like, it's just like this like di- dichotomy, right, between like. The, like the two sections of the movie which is like one is like the jackie side which is so like cool and you know she's putting on this performance she's very in control of the whole situation and like lewis and melanie can't even like get out of the they can't even find the exit that they came from yeah the the, the, the thing that made me laugh was like the fact that lewis just looks over at max and then max just like waves at him like a very yeah. like <laughs> yeah. a max cherry sort of like hey <laughs> and then walks yeah. away <laughs> Again, Robert Forrester, perfect in this. Yeah, the two um, Roberts. Yeah, two Robert De Niro, Robert Forrester, going at it. It um, is very. I I some I always forget is Robert De Niro, and even like when I I'm know. watching a movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like the De Niro. That's, yeah, that's like <laughs> to Driver De Niro. Like, it's just like it's just you know I don't I'm not definitely not the type that's like oh he only does Scorsese movies, but it is weird seeing him in like a, a like a crime movie that's not a Scorsese movie. You know, yeah, I'm and like, wait, end in the '90s, not like the '70s. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. It is strange, and I don't know. It, it, I guess it adds to like what I think about the movie, and and the fact that like it can stack. It, the cast is so stacked that like the 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 person at the bottom of like the main cast list is Robert De Niro. <laughs> I'm like right, what, right. <laughs> and like he's like maybe the. It's, it's not that he's like the least important character, but he's like at at the bottom tier of like importance. And but he's just Robert De Niro, and he's yeah. like, <laughs> and I'm like what? And you have like Pam Grier, Sam Jackson, Robert Forrester, 
Bridget Fonda all like you know acting circles around each other and then De Niro's just there <laughs> yeah not, right. not to say he's not acting too but like not he, he, I guess he definitely leaves everybody else to it <laughs> and well, sort of sits I mean, back <laughs> it's you know yeah like he's like what like fifth build or something it's very yeah. strange to see that but also like within the power di- power dynamics of the movie like he's at the bottom right? yeah like, which, uh, which it's very strange it's yeah it's it's interesting because I, th- I think he knows uh, by the very end he's at the bottom of this power dynamic because that's why he shoots Melanie, and and then of course he gets shot by by Ordell. But yeah, again, it's like he is like sneakily in the background. De Niro is until he's not, and I think that's the beauty of his character. It's just like you forget again, you forget he's there, but then when he's there, he's there. <laughs> and yeah. I and I love that 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 uh, that uh, sequence with Ordell. And Lewis just in the car, you know, single shot looking ahead. And then, you know, it, it, sometimes it does surprise me still Ordell shooting Lewis because uh, it is just so shocking. It's uh, I do love that how how yeah. that sequence is shot. But, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, uh, the opening credits got to be a reference to The Graduate, which we just I just covered on the podcast. Yeah. Pretty much just like almost shot like the same way right like the side profile on like the moving escalator and like and of course like you know i love how like as the credits go on like pam greer like she starts to like her pace quickens she starts to look more panicked she and then she's like running towards the gate um you know the structure of this movie is very strange to me because like we we start with her and then we go into this like whole thing with ordell and then we go back to jackie she gets arrested and then, like, the movie just kind of jumps when she gets out of prison. And you're like, this character we just met just went in and out of prison within, like, five minutes. Yeah. It's, I, very, it's very interesting. I, I find it interesting. It's, it, um, I think it's, how do I say this? I, uh, I know Tarantino was like, we got to start the movie with Jackie Brown, with Pam yeah. Greer, right, on yeah. the escalator. Iconic. It is right. iconic. But then... The plot requires, or I think Tarantino, uh, I think he was right in saying we need to have like a mini movie before the real movie. We right. need to show the extent of Ordell and like what he's capable of before we go back to Jackie Brown, which I'm like, fine. But I, I, I see your point. It is odd seeing Jackie at the beginning, her disappearing, us finding out about, you know, Chris Tucker's character, yada, yada, he dies. And then all of a sudden we go back to Jackie Brown. I get why it is, but it is interesting to see. I, I mean, I get it too. And like, yeah. I, I think it's like, you know, Tarantino, the showman being like, we got to show our like leading lady, like, as you say, like makes total sense. And then also to like set up the entire plot makes a lot of sense too. But I, to me, it's, it's I always get thrown when she goes in and out of jail, like within like, yeah. 20 seconds <laughs> it's great i love it nine nine years long long time you know but it's actually it's like two minutes <laughs> um all right marcelo any kind of other final thoughts anything else you want to bring up about you know the great jackie brown i mean i don't know what else i could say i i've said all i really need to say about it i i, I think i put out there why i'm so in love with the love in this movie between Jackie Brown and Max Cherry in particular, again, I'll just reiterate like the, the way the, the performances from Greer and Forrester are amazing. Uh, the dialogue between them 
is amazing. How natural they feel with each other is, 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 is um, you sense it off the screen. Uh, it works for me. And if it wasn't for that romance, if it wasn't for that tragedy at the end with them, you know, splitting, I don't know if I'd love this movie as much. I mean, sure. It's, it's a solid caper. It's a solid, like, like heist movie, but it's just, I don't, I, I, I don't know. All of a sudden, I think if you remove like Pam Greer, Robert Forrester from this, you end up with something like Reservoir Dogs, which wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Mind you. Okay. Reservoir Dogs is a solid movie. It's a solid heist movie, but like, like you were saying before, Manish, it's like, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that connection you have with these characters, with this romance that really gives it more impact that, that, that you see beyond like something like Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. Like this has, this has it, this has the emotion, this has the, the, the attraction you have to these characters. It has everything. So yeah, that's why I love Jackie Brown because of this romance at the center. I don't think it'd be the same movie without it. So yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I don't think Tarantino would have the career that he would have without this movie, you know? Right. You know, he's become such an Oscars favorite, and it's too bad this movie kind of didn't really do much. And, and you know, I mean, I know Robert Forster got the nomination. That was the major one. But, like, was it you no know, Best Picture, you no know, Best Director, you no know, Best Actress, you no know, Best Screenplay or anything like that? So... Um, that's unfortunate, but I think that like he needed to have this movie to be the transitional to kind of prove that he can take these like more textured approaches to character and emotion and and, and relationships um, to make something as like profound as Inglourious Bastards or as sentimental as Once Upon a Time Hollywood or as melancholy as uh, you know Kill Bill. Um, so yeah. I think like you know. I, I think the there's such a like strong love story and I think it's such a you know it's a calling card for him as a more mature filmmaker and I think he's I think he's lived up to that potential, you know, even with his few, you know, missteps like the hateful eight. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, like I said, like this feels like a movie he would have made like in the later part of his career. Yeah. Like uh, if he ends up making movies into his like seventies or eighties, which he says he won't, but I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him. Like he'd make something like Jackie Brown, you know, if he didn't make Jackie Brown you yeah. know, in the nineties, you know, that's that. Cause like, yeah, this shows his, like what he, what he's capable of as a filmmaker and, and, and what he's proven he's capable of afterwards. So yeah, that's uh, Jackie Brown is, is something special. Uh, again, I, I mean, it's fun. Anybody can have their own rankings on Tarantino movies. You can put whatever at the bottom, but if you put Jackie Brown at the bottom, I don't know. I, I think I am going to severely judge you, listener. It's, so, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, you know, it's a little... It's kind of the basic thing to put Jackie Brown at the bottom. Yeah. I'm like, it's No, not, thank you. Come no, on. It's, I mean, come on. It's just... I don't know. It's it's It should be... At the, just objectively, it should be at the top because he's it's such a mature film. Um... All right, Marcelo, thank you so much. It was great to chat with you. you. As always, please let the listeners know where they can find you, what you're working on. Uh, You know, you're the head honcho of all (laughs) this over at TFS, but, uh, you know, if there's anything special you want to shout out. Oh, yeah. Um, 
go to talkfilmsociety.com, obviously. Um, you're listening to this show. Listen to other great shows on the network. Uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash talkfilmsociety for bonus episodes, commentaries. Uh, me and Mark are serving. Do the commentaries over there. Uh, we're planning one for November. More, de- more details on that later. Um, and how about this? Uh, if you want to join our Discord... Uh, the Talk Film Society Discord, go to talkfilmsociety.com slash discord. And you, that'll be the invite. Okay? I got to write myself a note because I got to make that link right now. Um, but talkfilmsociety.com slash discord. And you'll join our Discord where Manisha's at um, and, and other great Talk Film Society people uh, are at. Friends of ours are there. And if you want some uh, respites from Twitter at the moment, then why not join our Discord and, and talk film with us? So, yes, those are my plugs. Manish, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Discord. I uh, It's a fun place. You know, a great group of people over there. Um, very respectful, very funny, very intelligent. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vertigate314 also please follow the podcast at ItPod2BU remember to rate, review, subscribe help people find the show Um, we're looking forward to the rest of this Bad Romance miniseries Um, it's going to be a lot of fun I've got some interesting movies coming up for you for the next few months Um, and some really fun guests I'm trying to track them down now but um, but you'll have to wait and see to see who Ooh. who's agreeing to, to do this. <laughs> um, all right, Marcelo, thanks so much, and thanks to the listeners, and yeah, uh, enjoy your day. <laughs> <laughs>